Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This week on the show, I have the lovely Erica Hatfield, and she's a specialist career coach for women wanting to create a greater quality of life between work and family. As an experienced HR professional, psychologist, entrepreneur, career changer, and mum, she understands the busyness of life and juggling family, work, and everything in between. Her unique combination of work expertise, personal life experience, and passion for gender equality have equipped her to empower women to redefine what's possible and redesign their futures to live with it with purpose, balance, and ambition. Now, Erica is an amazing guest, and this episode is a little bit different to my general episode, as Erica is a specialist in this field, and I am presenting at her Support Her Summit, which is coming up later in May. I will be sharing about how mums can fit in their health and fitness into their lives easily, and uh, Erica's got a number of guests coming on to really help empower women, and especially women that are mums that may have you know left the workforce to have a baby and now they're looking at what options are out there for them and what support they can get to take those next steps in their career. If you'd like to attend the summit, it is completely free and I will link up all the links to attend in the show notes. So please head across to the podcast show notes to attend and join us. Now, there will also be replays of all the presentations from the summit. So if you can't attend live, as long as you register to attend, you will receive that link so you can watch them at a later time. All right, let's have a listen in. Hi, I'm Kate Boyle, and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. And welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Erica, how are you going today? Very good. So glad to be here with you, Kate. I'm so excited to have you on the show because we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the podcast, but you have a summit coming up that I'm going to be a part of. And I'm I'm really excited because it is about supporting women, which is one of the main reasons I wanted to have you come on the show today. So thank you so much for coming on. Can you just introduce yourself to listeners and tell us a little bit more about who you are? Sure. Well, Basically, I support mothers who are tired of that endless juggle of work and family and seeing their career stall or lose meaning. So unlike other career coaches, I'm a specialist for mothers with expertise in HR and psychology, and my approach is very much evidence-based and completely personalised. So you won't find any standardised tests here, and that's because I believe that there is no test that can evaluate the full extent of your life circumstances and who you are and then tell you what to do with your life. So ultimately, I work with mums to redesign their futures and develop a career with purpose and balance that truly fits their life. Yeah. And before we dive into that, because I think, you know, and I'm sure you will have found within your work that motherhood is kind of, you know, so many changes that are just happening within your body, within your household, within your career, that it kind of makes you sort of start to think about your career differently because your priorities change. So I'm sure you find that a lot, you know, coming through in your work. Very much so. I think um, it's kind of like an implosion of your life. Everything changes completely, especially with your first child. Um, and there's lots of questions around, you know, changes to your identity and who you are and and what it is that you want. Um, and so lots of things change along along the way. And so, yes, you're exactly right. So there's lots of um, changes to perspective, changes to the way people see themselves um, and changes to what you want now that things have shifted a little bit. Yeah, and I know myself, I don't think I was really ready for that. You know, like everybody always told you, you know, it tells you when you're becoming a parent, oh, things are going to change and you're going to want to spend, you know, less time working and more time with them. And and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. I've heard it all before. Yes, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to make changes. I know that. But I think until you're in the thick of it, and I know for me, you know, I had a newborn, I was breastfeeding, I was still planning on heading back into the studio and teaching like blocks of classes and then sort of realizing 
this isn't going to work. Like what I was doing before is not going to work now coming out of it. And I think sometimes it takes you to be in, like actually in it before you sort of start to realise that too. I was, I have to admit, I was very much the same. I'd heard a number of things that people had told me, but they're all very sort of general advice. And to be honest, a lot of the focus was just on um, the birth and, uh, you know, your scans and everything in the lead up to actually having the child. And there wasn't a lot that was said about what actually happens afterwards. And there weren't a lot of stories around what would happen to Korea, for example, either. And so I sort of like you, I kind of can't, found myself on the other side of that trying to figure everything out as I was going along and it wasn't um it wasn't very structured it was very much trial and error and trying to just figure things out as you're living and breathing it and my goodness no nothing could have prepared me for it I I think I was very naive going into the whole thing yeah and I think that's probably do you know what I mean if there's listeners sort of listening in and maybe they're currently pregnant or they've just had a baby and they can relate I think you know when I've spoken to other friends that have kind of gone in you know they become pregnant and and they're thinking that you know will they go back to their job after they have the baby they're not sort of sure should they commit to things now you know I always say to them you you know your priorities will change even though you're like yeah yeah I'll, I'll go back after three months and I'll go back full time and things will be okay you know I always just say to them maybe just wait wait till you've been at home for a little while and if you can <laughs> then look at making a decision because you might find that yeah you actually change your mind when uh, the baby comes along Yes, very much so. I, I always say to um, my clients, you know, this is a big life event. So having a baby is really going to impact your perspective, your priorities. Um, and as I said before, you just need to be really clear about what you truly want at this point. And this point that you're at now may not have been foreseen back when you were pregnant. So you really need to take that time out and really think about, particularly in regards to work, um, around how it can support the life you want to lead now. And so I think it's really important before people start thinking around, you know, what should I do as my next career move? It's really worth spending some time rediscovering or reacquainting yourself with your values. So having those actually give you a sense of purpose and direction, and they'll act as guideposts towards what suits you best. Um, and I think it's really important around finding a career that aligns with your values and what you you believe is most important and most important to you at this point in time, because that will ensure that you're feeling more engaged at work, you'll be more productive, and you'll be more successful in, in what it is you do. But I do appreciate that, uh, you know, for some people, this isn't going to be an easy exercise. Some people will know straight away if you ask them what's most important to you in your life, um, you know, and it, for them, it might be around spending more time with family. So they want to focus on flexibility at the top of their list. It could be around achievement crit career progression or it might be around doing something that's really meaningful to them um, so some people will be really clear and for others the process will be a bit more of a struggle uh, so if you don't know what your core values are yet I always suggest to people look just it's really simple go online do a bit of a google search um, get up a list of values and go through that list and identify the ones that really resonate with you I think that's a really great starting point particularly because um, as I'd like to also point out we spend so much of our lives at work so according to the World Health Organization, we spend about 90,000 hours, which is roughly a third of our adult lives at work. So wow. clearly that can have a huge impact on your quality of life. And that's why when you do return to work, I always uh, say to my clients, make sure you back yourself, you know, don't settle for second best or just whatever you feel that you can get. Go out there and live the life that you want so that you are actually thriving in your life and you're not just surviving day-to-day -day and trying to sort of manage everything and juggle the whole load. So, yeah. Yeah, some really great advice. And I always like to ask my guests when they come on, generally most of us, you know, when we love our work, we've gotten to our work because we've gone through something ourselves. Maybe it's been, you know, a journey along the way, but something has led us to this point. So what has sort of, you know, made you become so passionate about supporting women in this area? Oh, I have a long story, Kate, <laughs> but I'll try, I'll try and shorten it for you. Um, so my role was made redundant whilst I was on maternity leave, right? Oh. Um, apparently it's not that uncommon. So um, Australian Human Rights Commission stats indicate it's about one in five mums will lose their jobs, right? That's quite high. Yeah. I know. It's kind of dire, but 
at the same time, it made me feel like, okay, at least I'm not alone. You know, there's, there's something going on here. Let's, you know, figure out a little bit more what's happening. Um, I then started looking for another job, as you do. Um, I wanted a similar job. I thought it would be like every other time that I looked for a job, it would be no big deal, right? But I soon realised that if I wanted to work less than full-time hours in a senior role, so I was a HR director at the time, um, my options became really limited. So read basically non-existent. Yeah. Um, this was pre-pandemic, by the way, just to give you a bit of context. So long story short, I eventually found the flexibility I wanted. So that was my core um, non-negotiable. Uh, but basically, I had to move into a lower level part-time role in the not-for-profit sector. That obviously came with a huge drop in salary. And then after a bit more research, I realized that I'd done what is very common for mothers and I downshifted my career, which unfortunately has a lot of negative flow on effects, not least of which is a massive hit to your superannuation. So anyway, all of these issues came as a bit of a surprise to me. Um, I'd never heard anything about these challenges that women face in their careers due to motherhood. Uh, I was really on the back foot and I kind of just fell into it and I was suddenly trying to figure everything out for myself, um, which was really frustrating and time-consuming. Um, but it was this experience that led me to create Hummingbird Careers because I really wanted to help other women in a similar position so that their re-entry into the workplace would be much more positive experience than mine and there would be fewer negative impacts in both the short and long term. And then I was thinking beyond that, I really wanted to ensure that women continue to dream big and have access to those opportunities that will continue to progress their careers because I believe it's so important um, to support more women into leadership positions as ultimately this will help ensure women's interests are better represented and more highly valued. Yeah, I think it's really difficult as you were sort of saying, do you know what I mean? I know I have my own business. So I was on the side when I went into maternity leave that I wasn't going to get any pay. Like, do you know what I mean? I had to yeah. have a business that was going to continue to run because there was no maternity leave, essentially. For me, I was in charge of trying to get my income up before having a baby to be able to have time off and afford that. And I said to my husband just the other way, the other day, because we have um, a family member who's got a year paid maternity leave. So she gets a year off with her daughter, which is absolutely amazing. And if I could have had that, because I went back after six weeks, because I knew we needed income and there wasn't, there was no paid maternity leave running your own business, essentially. Um, mm. You know, they obviously have, you know, you get, you know, government, um, you know, support in that everybody at that time, you know, whatever the baby bonus was or whatever yes. um, that came through. But it doesn't cover a lot. And definitely, certainly, you know, when you look at someone working for a business that can have a year off and get paid maternity leave compared to running their own business, there isn't a lot of support on that side. So I, you know, definitely can relate to that. And even though I had my own business at that time, during that period, I was like, maybe I should go work for somebody else. Maybe I should just go back to a, a job where I can, you know, get benefits and all of that. And I know a lot of women, with it being a transition period, think that sort of having their sort of maternity leave and then maybe starting a business is a good idea. And, you know, it is a great time because there's, you know, lots of things changing. How do you support women that maybe, you know, going through that change and thinking about starting a business rather than going back to the workforce in, in an employment role, essentially? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I sort of started my business as, a, uh, uh, I guess, during the time <laughs> The idea came to me. I was still breastfeeding my daughter. Um, so it was crazy. I probably should have been resting and I was writing up programs <laughs> for people around career coaching. Um, anyways, I think uh, it's quite challenging going in as, as, you know, someone who's gone through, I guess, the transition from uh, paid employment into working for myself. It, it is quite challenging, as I'm sure you know as well, um, from an income perspective, particularly when you're starting a new business. So I think one of the things, um, the way that I managed it personally was I went returned to work. So I did find that new job in the not-for-profit sector. It was a part-time role um, and I managed to do my side hustle simultaneously with that to build up some, some money to have some support behind me so that when it did come time, 
um, to quit that role and focus full time on my business, I was able to do that. However, in hindsight, um, I've realized that you need to allow for potentially longer than what I initially allowed for that period for where you're actually gearing up to start to make money and break even and then be able to um, support yourself financially. So um, I think you need to make sure that you definitely have uh, enough money so that you can actually be off work and not have that high income coming in for probably six to 12 months. I'm thinking now, initially I was thinking up to six months, which is what I allowed, but I've realized that six months goes in a heartbeat when you're gearing up to start a new business and you was doing everything from scratch. You don't just start with a great idea. You actually need to build a business that sits around your fabulous idea. And that actually takes a lot of time and effort to do that, as well as go out and find people who are willing to pay for your product or services and to build up that community um, of, you know, supporters behind you so that you're actually turning, um, got a reasonable amount of turnover. So I know from other people that I've given advice of, you know, make sure you've got at least five clients earning at least X amount of money before you quit. But I think it's really difficult to be so prescriptive because everybody's circumstances will be different. I also have a friend who recently started a new business um, and she told me that she doesn't even need to work because the income from her family business that her husband is running is sufficient for their needs whilst she's starting the business. So she doesn't have the same pressures that potentially I do or that other people will. So I think it's pretty much um, a matter of really looking into your financial situation and being really realistic about how long it's going to take you to get this business up and running and then adding a little bit of extra time than what you thought um, because it everything takes longer when you actually start to do it is what I found, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's really great advice because things do take way more time than you think, even building up and getting a client base and it could be referrals. And it obviously depends what industry that you're working in too. Um, But I know within my industry, when I started and opened my studio, I was working for other studios, started really small, just had a few pieces of equipment, built up my client base. And then with more, as more clients came in, I invested more money into the business and bought the next piece of equipment and then could expand my classes and et cetera. And that's the road that I've gone down. I know a few friends when, you know, they've decided to open a studio, they've decided to, and my studio is from home. So my overheads, I was very lucky that they could be nice and low. But I know other friends that have opened studios that they, you know, decided to open, they need to pay for rent, they need to buy or they've bought a full load, say 10 reformers to start off with to get people in the door. And so they've put them put themselves into debt or had to invest, you know, 100000 into creating the business before they've started to earn any money. So I think that's another sort of area to think about if you are starting a business, do you want to start small and if you can grow with it and, you know, invest in more courses and equipment and the things you need or the other model where you've got everything ready to go from the start. I'm not sure which is better and, you know, I think it depends on the business, but I do think it's an an interesting topic to see when it comes to businesses. Oh, look, I totally agree. And and I know some people who invested um, so much, uh, they didn't have a physical premise. It was very much like mine. It's an online uh, service business. And they invested so much uh, money into getting their skill sets and credentials um, up to the level that they wanted them at in, in order to, to commence the business. And so they're in debt tens of thousands of dollars before they even started um, to open their doors, uh, their virtual doors online, uh, and actually go out there and look for uh, potential clients. Uh, and and I know it was it was quite an interesting journey for her, and it was a bit touch and go at times as to whether or not she'd have to go back and and get um, a day job to be able to continue. So I think it really depends on um, I guess your financial circumstances at the time. As you said, it depends on on the type of service or product that you're providing as to how much you need to invest initially. Um, but I guess maybe it's just me, but I like to, uh, I guess I take them, I'm, I'm a bit like how you started your business. I'm taking, I took the more cautious approach of, you know, starting things off and, and then as money comes in the door, invest, invest more 
into the business and go and get more clients and then invest a little bit more in the business to make sure that it's sustainable and that you'll be able to, um, you know, uh, be there longer term to support uh, your clients in the community. So, um, but I think it's a very individual uh, circumstances kind of decision um, and it depends on how much risk, how much of a risk take you are and how much risk you're willing to take on as well. So it's a bit of a mindset thing. Yeah, but I think it's a good um, this is kind of a good topic to talk about for, you know, especially women that are looking at potentially opening a business that there are multiple options and spending some time going through what the best option is going to be for, you know, you and your family is really important than just, you know, kind of diving straight in without kind of researching it. Definitely, definitely. Although I say, I've got to say, I felt like I've dived into a few things in the last few years. So oh, I think everybody does, don't they? But when it comes to, you know, something that's like it's, it is going to be your business and you really do want to focus and, and grow it, have doing some of that groundwork can save you a lot of time and headaches and money in the future. Oh, totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> now, being a mum yourself and, you know, having your own business, how do you sort of find that work-life balance? And I know it's different for everybody. So there's no right or wrong answer. So it's kind of what works for you? Well. As we've discussed, I've made some pretty big changes in order to have the flexibility that I have now. Um, but career changes aside, um, I try to maintain boundaries between work and family as much as I can. So when my daughter is at daycare, like today, <laughs> I make sure I work really solidly um, on those daycare days to minimise the chance of having to work on my days off. Um, so I also like to ensure that on those the couple of days a week, um, I spend have what we call mummy baby days <laughs> where we spend the whole day together it's just the two of us doing all these amazing fun things um, that she loves so I love this time it's so precious to me and I'll really miss it when she starts school that's for sure um, I have to say look it's not a perfect system and there are some times when I've had some work I've had to do on our special days but I try to manage that as best I can by we'll go out and have a really big morning um, doing some really amazing things and then in the afternoon when she's a bit tired and wanting to, to have some time to rest that's when I'll do these really just the super urgent tasks that I need to get done on those days so I guess it's all around trying to maintain those boundaries but having a little bit of flexibility because things happen um, and, and I guess that's my approach to maintaining work-life balance for me. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the biggest thing that I take away from that, which I always sort of say to people is boundaries. It's creating boundaries that really work for you and ones that, you know, you're going to feel happy working with. And I know for me that I, I'm a people pleaser. So I am one of the type of person that will say, yes, even though it may be detrimental to me or something, you know, it's going to take time away from my family. And it's something that I have to consciously continue to work on. Uh, but, you know, I think setting those boundaries is a really big thing and a great place to start, especially, you know, as a mum, when you've got your time being sort of drawn by work and kids and, you know, everything else. So I do love that. Now, what's one thing that maybe motherhood has taught you about your health and looking after yourself? Hi everyone, I'm interrupting this podcast just quickly to let you know about Lean 14. If you want to have more energy, lose weight, start moving and just feel really good again, but maybe you're not sure where to start, then definitely check out my program Lean 14. Now Lean 14 is a complete program with a 14-day food and meal plan, recipes, shopping lists, Pilates workouts, templates for meal prepping and goal setting, as well as video trainings to help you kickstart your health and fitness. It really provides you with an easy to follow, clear plan of where to start with your diet, nutrition, looking after yourself, and the best bit, you can start at any time and there's no crazy food or expensive equipment or complicated instructions involved. It's really simple, it's easy, and best of all, it's effective. And I don't want you to miss out. To grab it now, simply head over to the show notes and click the Lean 14 link or head on over to the Mind Movement Health website and under the Programs tab, you can hit Lean 14. Now, this program is based on my 18 years of experience of working in the health and fitness field and the results that I've gotten for thousands of women that I have worked with during that time. So, 
head on over to the show notes and check it out because it will change your life. Well, that's easy not to take it for granted. So I had a C-section and it took me a while to recover after the birth. And I swear at no other point in your life will you undergo major surgery and then be handed a screaming newborn to look after. At least I hope not. Um, Usually you'd be told to put your feet up and rest, right? So I just remember thinking how important it is to be healthy and how important it is to have a strong body so that you can retain your independence. Um, So that was the biggest learning for me. And the other thing I learned um, is that it's so easy as a mum to have your health come last or be completely forgotten because there are so many other things to do every single day. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, I find it's this daily commitment that I need to make to take care of my health. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't always get it right. um, But I think the important thing is to just keep trying. Yeah. And I agree. Like your time is no longer your own once you have kids. Like, you know, we see our friends that don't have kids and they're always like, oh, you know, they say to my husband, do you want to, you know, come on and play video games? And he's just like, yeah, I'd love to play video games, but I got to work. And then, you know, I've got to help pick up the kids or, you know, drop them off at here and do all those things. And sort of life does get in the, in the way. And it does change depending on how old your kids are and at what stage that they're in. Uh, and I don't think that there is a, you know, I always say to people, there's no perfect health, but having good health, like you said, is a game changer when it comes to looking after kids. Because if you don't, you know, have good health then everything just becomes a struggle. I totally agree. Totally agree. So when it comes to sort of, you know, daily habits that you have that kind of keep you on track or, you know, some non-negotiables that sort of really set you up for your health, do you have any of those that you sort of tend to lean into? I wish I had a (laughs) (laughs) non-negotiable. I've got to say, life has been so chaotic since having a child and I guess it doesn't help that We've also had a pandemic thrown in in the last couple of years, but um, I don't really have any uh, non-negotiables because I've just learned that I kind of have to take things as they come. Um, But that's not to say that I don't have some kind of parameters and things that I try to do. So I try to go out for a run. Running's my go-to that that I really enjoy. Um, I'm looking at Kate's face and saying, okay, it's more like a fast walk. (laughs) (laughs) But look, I try to run at least a little bit at times, you know, interspersed with the walking um but I try to do it you know three times a week uh and for me that serves kind of two purposes it helps with my physical fitness uh and also I find just being like outside and in nature just really helps from a self-care mental health perspective as well and that's really important to me uh and beyond that you know I've got my mummy baby days which are generally always outside with my daughter and we run around and do crazy things we're at the zoo or at the park or the beach and that also helps as well uh, for my physical fitness, which I've found has actually improved since I quit my day job and started having my own business. Because when I was working that day job, I had to sit at my desk. It, was, it wasn't a nine to five, but it was much longer than that. So you're doing these really, really long hours where you're sitting at your desk and I could feel my legs um, were getting quite, you know, they weren't feeling very good and I'd have to jiggle them under the desk. But now that I'm actually, I guess, freer in in my time with my um, own business, I'm finding that my physical health is much better. I'm not having those problems, my circulation, like everything. It's just, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. And there's a few things you brought up there, but even just touching on, it wasn't a nine to five job. The amount of clients that I teach that their job is supposed to be nine to five, but it's never nine to five. They'll be like, no, I had to start at 7am this morning. And then calls went through because I had meetings, you know, that were with people from overseas. So it was till 10pm at night. And especially so I think during the pandemic, because a lot of people sort of said to me that because they weren't physically at work and then leaving work, they're not sure if their bosses went, oh, well, you're not commuting. So if I call you, you know, half an hour or an hour after you're meant to knock off, it's not a big deal or you're at home anyway. Or And so they said they had to really start to try to create more boundaries at a, around not answering the phone or not replying to those emails that started to come through 
after hours. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to pick up on that because I think, you know, everyone sort of there's like this sort of thing that we have an eight-hour workday. But for most people in, you know, higher up full-time work or even part-time, especially if you're juggling a, a part-time role, mm. it doesn't seem to work out that way a lot of the time. No, I think with the pandemic, the lines definitely got blurred between um, home and work because you were working from home. Yes. <laughs> and so I know a lot of people, myself included, it's so easy and it's so tempting just to, I'll just do a little bit more so that I'm not so stressed about it. And I know that the task is done and it'll be fine. And then before you know it, you're doing a couple of extra hours a day. And, you know, I'll just, because you're taking your equipment, your equipment is home with you. So it's so easy just to log on and just get that done as opposed to I used to leave it at work and then do the the run up the street to get the car and drive to daycare so I had a defined finish time and I left all my equipment at work so I had to finish I didn't have a choice whereas during the pandemic I'd be like oh you know after dinner I'll just log on and get that little bit done so um once again yeah you're right it all comes back to boundaries and being kind of strict with yourself um, around what that looks like. But I guess the other thing you mentioned about part-time work, I find I'm yet to meet someone where part-time work is actually the hours that you're contracted for. Mm. Typically you're doing, and this is the caveat I always say to people when they look for part-time work, um, typically you're doing a job and the entirety of that job needs to be done. The thing that you're doing is you're trading in your pay to get flexibility so that you can complete those additional hours whenever you like. That's what I was finding yeah in my own experiences and experiences of others but then what I also found was some of it was actually on me because I was allowing that to bleed out into those additional hours instead of forming some stricter boundaries so as we move through the pandemic and the craziness kind of settled into like I guess the new normal as people call it um I got a bit more stricter with my boundaries and I was like right I'm contracted for three days a week. I'm only going to work on those three days. They might be long days so I can get everything done, but I'm not going to work on any of the other days. So that was it. And then I wasn't answering my phone. I wasn't answering emails. Um, I made sure people were aware of of what I was doing and I was still getting through what I needed to get through. And it didn't, you know, the sky didn't fall. Nothing really went went pear-shaped. And I was able to, to control, I guess, that time a lot better. And it was better for me. Um, from a work-life balance was better for me from, you know, a burnout perspective as well. I think a lot of people went through a bit of burnout um, during the pandemic when it first started and and potentially are still going through a bit of that feeling now. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's the way I managed it. And I would highly recommend to people to, you know, form those boundaries um, as much as you can and try to maintain them because they will go a long way to helping you to be able to continue to be resilient um, and be able to move forward with a positive headspace. Yeah, 100% agree. And you were also, I want to go back because you were saying that running is your thing, you know, and I love that from so many ways in the sense that you said, one, you know, you're getting outside into nature, which is you're moving your body. So you're getting benefits from just, you know, physical health, moving your body Two, you're getting that sort of mental health because you're getting out in nature too. But I also find that sort of, you know, you're running, you're also getting that alone time or that space as well that you might need to process things or just have some time to yourself in a way. And I just wanted to bring that up because I think so we hear so many times from so many health experts that we need to have this amazing morning routine and we need to meditate and to journal and to you know carve this out and as you know it sounds amazing but I you know would be listening to podcasts and things and going yeah well that's all great but when your child wakes up at 5 30 in the morning and you can't get out the door and you're just so glued and exhausted that you know you're not gonna meditate or journal I just need to feed this kid and then get myself awake you know and showered um, so I love that you found what works for you. And that's what I always try to share with my clients that there's no cookie cutter thing that has to work, but finding whether or not it is a run or, you know, doing some stretches, or it might be, you know, just sitting with your cup of coffee, finding something that can almost kill a few birds with one stone in that you are helping your physical health, your mental health, and having time to yourself is just, and and a better thing, I think, efficiency-wise to be able to fit in when you're a parent. 
Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. I wish I could be with the 5 a.m. Um, group of people that are getting up to, to meditate and have their green tea and, you know, they're, they're into their day by six o'clock. I wish. Um, I uh, My daughter still wakes up during the night. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I'm still pretty, pretty tired at 5 a.m. and the best time that she sleeps is, is from around three or four in the morning. So, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty exhausted. So by the time I get up, I'm just used to being very sleep deprived. Um, and I just need to fit in things as and when I can. So as much as I said, you know, I try to go for a run three times a week, by no means am I getting up, you know, at a set time and going um, for a run at a specific time in the morning. It will depend on, you know, what's happening. And also in, in Sydney at the moment, it's pouring with rain. So, uh, you know, you, you have to look for alternatives as well. Um, and so, you know, you try to do something indoors. So, I, but I think the main thing is just, just making sure that you've got something that's built into your daily routine and that your daily routine is flexible to deal with, you know, the upheavals and, and the last minute changes that can happen if you didn't have a good night or your child doesn't want to go to daycare that day and you're trying to strap them into the car and, you know, they're refusing to go and that takes you an extra 20 minutes and there goes my run time. You know what I mean? So I think, yeah, just being able to roll with the punches, which I think a lot of us have learned over the last couple of years um, and being able to have a backup plan. And I think all mums are brilliant at having a plan B, C, D, E, yeah. the whole alphabet. <laughs> so, you know, we're very creative like that. Yeah, I, I agree. You kind of have to, don't you? Because things just don't oh, go yeah. to plan majority of the time. So, yeah. No. Now, I know you've done a really great job at putting together the Support Her Summit that's coming up in May. So can you share with us a little more about the summit why and why you've put it together? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically the summit grew from my initial idea of wanting to create this wraparound support um, for mums through building an integrated community um, of complementary support services for women. So we're talking uh, services such as obviously career coaching, health and wellness, small business, finance, legal, childcare, aged care, that kind of thing. Uh, I thought then that, you know, after creating this community, it'd be really great to create an online summit. That would be a good way to get the word out uh, to women and being able to raise those important issues that may affect them during motherhood, uh, share some strategies to address these, and then advise on where to go to find support. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do was to use the summit as an opportunity to raise the profile of female-founded, female-led businesses um, and be able to help them to thrive because I think it's really important um, to be able to support the service providers so they can continue to provide they're much needed, very specialist support services to women as well. So there were two sides of the coin. Um, and basically, uh, the Support Her Summit, uh, just to give you a few of the details, it'll be run on the 25th of May. Uh, we made it during school hours to make it a little bit easier. So 9.30 to 2.30, it'll be online, it'll be free. Um, we wanted to make it as accessible as possible to reach as many women as we can. And if you come along to the live sessions of the day, you'll go into the draw for a lucky door prize from Lovely, um, which is valued at $200. And they do these amazing flowers and gift boxes as well. So sounds amazing. And I'm super excited to be a part of it. And, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast was to really shine the spotlight on other female experts in their field and business owners, because like you said, there are so many highly qualified women that have so much amazing information to share. And I think if we can just all help each other, because we're all, you know, going through the same things in whether or not we might have kids or we're starting businesses or that type of thing that I think it just supporting each other is an amazing thing. So, you know, well done on putting the summit together because I know it's a lot of work to put one of those together and organise everybody too. Oh, thank you. And um, I guess just touching on how you were talking about, you know, sharing um, information amongst women, I mean, that was one of the really key things because with my own experience um, of being surprised by a number of the challenges that I came up against since having, having a baby um, and feeling unprepared for them uh, and trying to find your way forward and getting the right support and hearing um, stories from other women, um, both socially and through my work, um, made me realise that I'm not alone. Uh, there are definitely other women out there that are experiencing these issues. 
Uh, and I think there needs to be more discussion about it so that, um, you know, no nobody else is, is kind of surprised on the back foot like I was. And so that was also one of the key drivers as well um, in running the summit. I think it's really important to open up these discussions um, and be able to um, provide more support um, to mothers and women more generally. Yeah, and I agree. So I would say some of this type of information that I went through after having a baby was shared within my mother's group. So um, we had six of us in our mother's group. A couple of us ran our own businesses. The other few worked for others and two of them ended up leaving, um, you know, an employee role and starting their own businesses. And they often asked us as business owners, you know, you know, what are you guys doing for like promoting your business and what are you doing on social media and trying to, you know, find out, you know, more about business from female business owners within their network, which might, for some people, there might not be that many. And I know, you know, people always say to me, oh, you know, there's Business Victoria, which I know about now, but I know when I was starting my business years and years ago, uh, there wasn't that much information out there or it's not as widely distributed depending on what circles you're in. So I think having that support network and, and people like you that are really promoting it is a really great thing because sometimes it's hard to find some of this info. Oh, look, I totally agree. Um, it, it definitely, you know, and when there are so many things that are impacting you all at once, to go through and conduct all of that research, to go through and find out, you know, what what exactly is this issue, um, who can help you with it, and then going through and, like, Googling for services and vetting all these different services and then wondering how much it's all going to cost, um, you know, it can be really challenging. So I think it's really helpful uh, just to be able to, to have these things come to the fore. So it's, it's a no-brainer. It's like, oh, so that's going to happen, right? How do I prepare for that? Where can I go for help? And even knowing that there are certain support services out there, like I didn't even know, for instance, um, because my daughter had such trouble sleeping I didn't even know that there was um you know baby sleep therapists out there I didn't know that was a thing so I couldn't get that help because I didn't know it existed and the six months when I was absolutely moving beyond you know sleep deprivation into what I like to call sleep desperation <laughs> I was like somebody help me and then finally everyone's like oh yeah and I unlocked all of this information it was like why did I not know about this before like why did why wasn't it a conversation that was shared so um, yeah, I wish I would have been in your mother's group. <laughs> yeah, we, I guess we were kind of lucky because we all obviously came from different backgrounds and having that mix of, um, and all of us went back to some form of work after having kids. None of us mm. moved in to stay at, at home. So I guess we were all sharing our experiences with how, what we were up to within, you know, transitioning through you know, prior to having a baby and then post baby with our work and our businesses and things too. So it was really nice that it was open and stuff. Uh, but I will admit that that's where I often went to, to find out like my first did not sleep at all. And I should have, I should have gone to a sleep school, but I found out too late, like by the time the sleep school out, but you know, someone told me a book to read and I read the book. So it's one of those things that you kind of only find out about things depending on, you know, um, the people in your social circle. And I always say that about the doctor you go to too, because people often say to me, oh, my friend's doctor said, you know, she's got back pain and she should do Pilates. And I asked my doctor and they were like, well, I don't know much about that, but, you know, you could try this instead. So it really does come down to our sort of what we know and our personal experiences and, and how that's shared. So I think having that diverse network is the best way to get info from, you know, all different people and areas just to really open up your horizons. I totally agree. And, and as you're talking about all of those social connections, I remember that um, I was bunkered down at home. <laughs> first few months so I wasn't socializing very much and in fact I probably um you know lost quite a few social connections in the first few months of having my child because I was just surviving I was yeah. at home trying to recover from from a c-section trying to you know deal with a, a child that didn't sleep like at all <laughs> during the day or night and trying to then look up which I was doing on my phone look up information for how to do this how to do that uh, it was just, it was a nightmare. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd much prefer to to have all the information available in, in one place and, and handed to me as in, this would really help you. You might want to consider these, these few different options. I would have loved that. Yeah, exactly. And for, you know, listeners, women listening in going, yeah, this summer is sounding 
pretty good. I want to sort of tune in and attend. What are you hoping that they're going to, you know, come to the summit and then walk away with, you know, what sort of information are they going to sort of, you know, be able to grab onto? Well, basically what I'm hoping for for all of the attendees is that they'll walk away feeling empowered and confident and most importantly prepared for whatever challenges may come their way um, because they know what to expect. They'll be given some um, ideas around strategies on how to handle these issues and know where to go for support if they need it. So as I mentioned, there'll be quite a number of um, different sessions. There'll be eight different sessions. Um, For instance, uh, there'll be a legal session for example, around um, navigating through legal separation issues. For for example, there'll be a finance section, which is all about financial resilience um, and being aware of the the issues that will arise for you financially once once you hit motherhood. So one of them I mentioned, which was superannuation um, and looking at how to mitigate those issues as you actually move through um, your lifespan because we're finding that... um, you know, the women over 55 is the fastest growing demographic for homelessness. And there's a reason for that. So, you know, being savvy to those issues and being able to put measures in place now that will assist you both now and in the longer term, I think is absolutely, absolutely critical. So all of the sessions will be quite practical. Um, they will definitely raise all of the key issues in the areas um, that they're focusing on. Um, and you'll be able to walk away with also uh, knowing where to go for support and further information. So, you know, beyond what's shared on the day. Yeah. Oh, I think that sounds really practical. And like you said, you can be at, you know, the age, you know, maybe you're in your 30s and you're, you're having your kids and you're kind of thinking that, oh, retirement sounds like so far away. I don't have to think about that right now maybe when I hit 40 or 45 I'll start thinking about it but like you said if you can be prepared earlier on then you're not going to be left you know with any surprises popping up closer to these ages where we can be a bit more vulnerable exactly right and you know up until now I hadn't really given much thought to my super but since I've been researching all the issues you know that do occur, particularly connected to um, career breaks and interruptions of careers, which is exactly what happens when you have a child. Um, I've realised how important it is. And super isn't something where you can throw some money in at the 11th hour and hope for the best. Like it's something that you need to be very conscious of and very mindful of over the duration um, of your lifetime um, because it's going to take you that long to save it up. Um, And you've also got to think, you know, women end up retiring with a lot less money than men and yet they tend to live longer than mm. men, for example. So, um, you know, just even from that perspective, you know, we really need to be conscious of it. Um, yeah. And they're all amazing points, but things that we, yeah, like you said, you kind of don't think about, uh, you know, you just think, oh, yeah, the super's there, it's ticking away, you know, it'll all be fine. But mm. sometimes we actually just need to do these check-ins to make sure that things are going to be fine. And if not, then we're empowered to be able to make the changes. Exactly, exactly. I think being informed um, is the first step towards making a really um, uh, great decision for for your future. Well, for now and for, for your um, future further down the line. So, you know, it's, it's really important to get out there, get that information um, and make those informed decisions so that you can actually change your life um, longer term. Yeah. And I think sometimes it can be scary too, you know, having to face some of those things but you know if we can do them with support then it just makes it so much easier oh completely completely I think it makes such a difference um, now that I've experienced having to go out and find out all this information for myself about so many different topics including my own career Um, and then uh, you know versus being able to work with an expert who can just like narrow your search down provide you with the information that you need and focus your efforts so that you actually make a lot of progress very quickly as opposed to, you know, you're trying to weed through all this information and misinformation and figure out what's most important for you. And then it can be just so overwhelming at times. Um, and then you can get a bit derailed. So I'm all for definitely go out there, get some expert assistance in whichever aspect of your life that you need help. Um, and, and being aware that that help is actually out there and available to you. 
Um, yeah. So to everyone out there who, who is in the situation I was in with my daughter in the early stages, there are residential sleep places that you can go <laughs> to. There are definitely books around, you know, at sleep schedules and routines. And it's not all, you know, what the hospital ladies told me, which was all just wait for the tired science. So it didn't work for us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, get the information early is, is what I always tell everyone. Yeah, agree. 100% agree. Amazing. So where can listeners reach out and connect with you? Are you on socials? Do you have a website? Um, yeah, so I'll be sharing all the details about the summit on the Hummingbird website, which is hummingbirdcareers.com.au. I'll also be sharing details through all of our socials on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, you know, it'll be a great event and it's free. So please come along on the 25th of May. And if you can't make it on the day, make sure you still register as we'll be sending out the link to the recording afterwards. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that I love. I always love a recording. Just in case, because, you know, you might be able to watch one of the or two of the presentations, but you can't watch them all and there might be something that you really want to, you know, you know, focus on and watch too. So I think as a mum, recordings can be really handy because you can watch them at any time that you can fit it in and around whatever else that you're doing. Now, to finish off the podcast, I always ask my guests if they can share one health tip that, you know, the listeners that are tuning in could go off and instigate today, what would it be? Okay, so I've got a story for you. <laughs> so many years ago, I visited Koyasan, which is one of the most sacred mountains in Japan, right? And there's this huge Buddhist temple complex there. It's massive. Um, now, I signed up and I went to a beginner's meditation class at one of the temples, as you do. Uh, and during the class, one of the other students asked how long our instructor, who was a Buddhist monk, meditates for every day. And he said to us, it doesn't matter how long, what matters is that you do it every day. So rather than just one big effort once in a while, and I think he made the point about, you know, running a marathon as a one-off as opposed to, you know, going for a, a nice gentle stroll for a few minutes every day. Um, so he was talking about meditation, uh, but I've applied this to many things in my life, including fitness. So I think it's more important if I can squeeze in five, 10 minute walk around the block and try and do that, you know, quite regularly, uh, may not be daily as we talked about earlier, <laughs> but do that regularly rather than, you know, don't do anything for several weeks or months and then do a massive marathon all at once. Um, so I've applied it to also just, you know, reaching big goals. Uh, I think it's really it's around, it's about daily progress. And that's really what's going to take you places. That'll take you a lot further than the one-off big, big tokenistic efforts. Um, but also with that, um, I'd also say be kind to yourself because as we talked about, you may miss a day or two here and there, things happen, the kids go crazy, whatever. <laughs> but what's important is being able to bring yourself back on track and keep going. And I think it, it's the kindness, being kind to yourself that will allow you and enable you to come back on track and keep going because you'll be able to forgive any indiscretions that you've had um, and you'll still feel quite positive about the activity and you'll continue to, to go on and achieve great things. So that's my one tip. Amazing. Well, it's kind of like what you were sort of said before. It's the consistency matters, but having that flexibility within, you know, those boundaries and parameters is what can really, you know, help you be kind to yourself and make the distance. So thanks so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.